Now, it's always been the plan uh, to preach Psalm 67 today, so it, it fits well, actually, with uh, Mr. Freeth and what, uh, he, what he is talking about, what he is calling us as a church to be engaged in as well. So uh, if you've got the, the bulletin, every, every week our bulletin, we have uh, our vision in the bulletin. That our vision as a church is that we would be Christ-centered, cross-cultural community that exists for the glory of God and the good of Durham. That's our vision. That's what we hope to see uh, happen in this church. Our mission, you may not hear us talk about our mission as much. We should, and you should hear us talk about our mission more. But our mission, what we want to see accomplished, what we want to see God do in our church is, is we want to love God. We want to love our neighbor. We want to love the city, and we want to love the world. Love God, love neighbor, love the city, love the world. And if you've been coming to Christ Central for any amount of time, I hope and I pray that you've heard us call you to love God. To love God because He's first loved us. Because He's bestowed His grace, now we can love Him in return. I also hope you've heard us call you to love your neighbor. To seek in word and in deed to love those God has placed around you. I also hope and pray you've heard us call you to love the city, that God calls us to love this city, to, to see our jobs, our vocation as ministry, to engage in the injustices that exist within Durham, and to see the culture of Durham transformed by the gospel. I hope you've heard us call you to love God, love the, your neighbor, love the city. This morning, I want to call, talk about the call to love the world, to love the world, not because it's our mission, not because it's Christ Central's mission, but because it's in the Bible. And I hope and pray that you know that we want to let the Bible craft our vision and shape our mission. So we're going to talk about loving the world this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to read Psalm 67. It's our custom. So we read God's Word, we stand together, and we ask God to speak to us again this morning. This is God's Word from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us. And bless us and make His face to shine upon us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For You judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. Isaiah 40 tells us that the grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's Word endures forever. Let's pray. God, I ask that You would come and speak to us. God, remove me and would You speak. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, soften our hearts, give us a vision for the world. The world praising You, worshiping You, the nations. God, thank You for, for You speak to us and You reveal Yourself to us. Speak yet again in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, many have referred to Psalm 67 as the missionary psalm, as a psalm of missions. Now, I promise you that I did not know that Mr. Freeth was coming and then kind of chose this text. I, all along, was planning to preach Psalm 67, and God just kind of orchestrated um, this to happen. Uh, and, and next week, we'll go back into Psalm 84. Uh, but this is a psalm of missions. Now, how many of you grew up in churches that hosted missions weekend? 
Any of you grew up in a church that had a missions weekend? Some of you, okay. Few of you, not as many as I thought. Uh, there are a lot of churches that do missions weekends, right, where they bring missionaries uh, in to speak about what's happening all around the world. And there's nothing wrong with missions weekends. We might do that at some point here at Christ Central. Uh, but what can happen, I think, when you do missions weekends or uh, you start talking about missions to the world as a church, this call to love the world, is that we can often hear it communicated in such a way that mission is something that we add onto the Christian life. It is an addition, right? Downtown Durham is quickly changing. It's quickly changing. In my neighborhood alone, five homes are being renovated. Additions are being added to these homes. Some of you have added onto your home, built an addition, right? You need maybe a, another bedroom, or you add a kitchen, right? The addition was not part of the original home, but it's something that you saw a need for, and so you added it to the existing house. Richard Pratt, one of my former seminary professors, said that this is how many Christians in America view missions, that missions is an addition to the life of a Christian. It's an addition, if you see the need, it's an addition that can be added to the church so we can host missions weekends and maybe even host a missions trip. And if we want to attend or if we want to go, we can participate. That is a very wrong view of mission. Missions is not an addition. Missions is not an extra bedroom to the house of the church. It's not an extra room off the back of the original house. Missions is the very foundation of the home. It is a part of the church's foundation. The call to love the world is the foundation of the Christian life. It's not for the few, the proud, and the elite. Those like Mr. Freeth who can survive. It is for all of us. It's not for the select few. It is for everyone who is a Christian. It's for me, and it's for you. So let's look this morning at this call to love the world, this mission that we all are a part of. The first thing that I want us to look at is the aim of our mission. Let's look at the aim of our mission. Look at verses 1 to 2 of Psalm 67. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth your saving power to all nations. The aim of our mission as Christians is that God's saving power is known in all nations, in the whole world. Here's a biblical truth from verses 1 to 2. God pours out His blessing so that we can be a blessing to the nations. We are blessed to be a blessing to the world. And this aim of being blessed in order to be a blessing to the world is the foundation of our faith. It's always been the aim of Christians, always. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Genesis 26, verse 4, God's promise to Isaac. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring 
all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 28, verse 14, God's promise to Jacob, Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Our foundation as Christians, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all blessed by the Lord in order to be a blessing to the world. And the New Testament builds on this. The New Testament has the same aim. Matthew 24, verse 14, the Gospel of Matthew. And this Gospel of the Kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Luke 24, 47 to 49. And repentance and forgiveness of of sins shall be proclaimed in His name to all nations. Acts 1.8 You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then we have the picture, beautiful picture, in Revelation 7, 9. The complete, perfect kingdom. So Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes. The blessing of God bestowed upon His people is never just for the people, but always a blessing poured out so that we can be a blessing to the world. The blessing of God that the Bible talks about is salvation. God calling us to Himself, His rescue and the redemption that happens only through faith in Christ. But the salvation that we experience is never just for us. Jesus entered into darkness and He bore the sins of the world so that we could live in His light, be saved from sin and the effects of sin, so that we can then bless the world. Now, I think we're pretty good here in America at talking about what Christ saves us from, aren't we? Maybe if you've been around the church, you've heard that that God sent His only Son to save us from the penalty of sin. That God sent His only Son to save us from the power of sin and one day someday he will save us from the presence of sin we have unbelievable resources here in america we can listen to sermon after sermon after sermon we can go to conference after conference we can listen to podcasts we can read books but let me say that i believe too many churches in america make the object of salvation me that god loves me Jesus died just for me, that the church is about me, that everything is about me, my life, my house, my car, my my job. And God did save me, but God did not just save us from something. He saved us for something. He saved us for a purpose with an aim. And when we get into great trouble, when we only talk about what God saved us from, and we do not talk about what God saved us for, that's where we get addition, or missions is addition. Right? If salvation is all about what God does for me, then we can choose to be involved or not involved in His kingdom mission. But if, but if He saved us from something so that we can be for something, then we have to be a part of His mission to the world. God's purpose in salvation is not just for your life. It's not just for your salvation. It's not even just for Durham, North Carolina. It is for the nation's. The whole world. David Bryant coined the term world Christians. 
world Christians is what we are part of. We are a part of a global faith, a kingdom in all the nations of every tongue, tribe, and nation. And this aim is not for the few, the proud, and the elite. We cannot use the line that I'm just not called to be involved in mission. Can't. We can't use the line that, well, I'm just called to be invested here in Durham. Sure, be invested in Durham. We better love our city. But all of us are called to love the world. All of us, if we're Christians. Do you realize that today alone, 30,000 children will die from starvation and from preventable diseases? 30,000 children today will die. The children you saw running back to Children's Church, 30,000 will die today. Do you realize that 43% of the world is unreached, according to the Joshua Project? 43% of the world does not have a faithful, consistent gospel witness, meaning no churches led by its own people. Three billion people, three billion, who who are not being reached with the gospel of salvation. God's heart breaks for the 30,000 children. And His heart breaks for the 43% that don't know Him. Does yours? Does mine? I spent a lot of time in China. I love China. I started going to China in 1997. And at that point in China, uh, not many had heard the gospel of Jesus. Uh, now, today's it's a little bit different. Uh, this is a picture that I, uh, I don't know if you can even see it, always have in my office. These three guys, my three best friends. This was 15 years ago. This was in 2000. These three guys became my best friends. I still look at this picture and tear up because I love these guys and I love what God is doing through them. They didn't know Jesus. I went over. And by God's grace, they became Christians. Two of those guys now are bivocational house church planters. They started churches. And now their churches are planting other churches. I was blessed by God. and Nothing special. I just went and was a blessing to China. These guys are now planting churches and are, and are being a blessing to, other, to others. And China, if you didn't know this, is now sending more missionaries across the world than any other country. They are sending people to the nations. The the house church uh, in China has a vision called Back to Jerusalem. They believe God's calling the church in China to take the gospel all the way back to Jerusalem to all the unreached peoples from China all the way back east. Because the church in China knows we are not blessed to hoard the blessing, but we are blessed to be a blessing. And I pray that that's true for Christ Central Church. May our aim be the world. Did you pick up on what the object of Psalm 67 is? The object, is, it's not us, is it? It's not me, it's, it's God. The object of salvation is God. So the aim is the whole world for the worship of God. It's all about God, His glory in the world, the refrain Throughout this psalm, let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the nations praise you. The worship of God is the ultimate aim and mission. Missions is not even the ultimate aim. We are saved from sin for the sake of the world, for the glory of God, to the praise and the worship of God. 
I've quoted John Piper a lot. He's, uh, this quote has become very popular from his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. If you want to read a great book, I highly recommend Let the Nations Be Glad. It's been very influential in my life. But listen to what John Piper says. He says, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. See, i got to ask, ten months into this church plant, are we content on having some good singing on Sunday mornings? Are we content and maybe even have... We've got five city groups now, right? From two to five, and, and, start, and our city groups are going well. Are we content in hoarding the blessing of God? I pray we're not. I pray that we always see that we are blessed in order to be a blessing to the world. That's our aim. Well, let's look secondly at the confidence for mission. The aim of our mission, but let's look at the confidence for our mission. I'm not sure if verses 1 to 2 sound familiar to you. Many times at the end of our worship service, uh, I will give the benediction from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26, which says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. Number 6, that is the blessing of the high priest Aaron over the people of God, over Israel. Aaron would raise his hands and he would pronounce the blessing over the people of God. And this psalm is echoing Numbers chapter 6, the blessing of Aaron. I love the picture of Jesus' interaction with a doubting Thomas in the Gospel of John chapter 20. Thomas is doubting if Jesus really resurrected from the dead. And, uh, and Jesus appears to doubting Thomas. And he shows him his nail-scarred hands, evidence of the cross. He says, see Thomas. Look what I've done. And then he tells Thomas, peace. Peace. He blesses Thomas. And when we get to that place in our life when we are wrestling with whether or not we really believe Jesus resurrected and Jesus is who he says he is, that he is king. And when we believe in Christ, we trust Jesus. Jesus, our high priest, raises his hands. And He shows us what He has done on the cross, and He blesses us. He says, peace, may my face always shine upon you. If we are followers of Christ, that has happened. Jesus, our high priest, has said, may my blessing be upon you. We have the divine approval of our God. If we trust Christ, God approves of us. He smiles because of what Christ has done, right? His face is towards us, and He is with us, and He's for us. Therefore, we do not do missions to win the approval of God. We do not participate in mission to make God love us more. We do not do missions to prove something. To show that we really get it, that we sacrifice, that we really are the few, the proud, and the elite. We have the approval of our God. I've attended many conferences where the speakers, whether they meant to or not, 
would speak and motivate people to do missions across the world in such a way that invoked guilt, uh, that called us to prove something, to sacrifice something, to show that you really do love God. And at times during these conferences, uh, they would take 10 to 15 minutes. I can remember this, uh, being in college, and they would say, okay, we're going to take 10 to 15 minutes, and I'm just going to ask that you would be willing to give one year of your life for missions. Would you give one year of your life for missions? Which, by the way, is a wrong view, right? One year, a whole life is to be about mission. Not just one year, a whole life. But the music would play. We'd be encouraged to sign a piece of paper, sign that piece of paper, contracting ourselves to one year of global missions, and go down front and drop it in the basket. And I I really do believe that they meant well. They were calling us to love the world because Christ loved the world. But what do you think happened in me when I saw other people signing this piece of paper and started walking down front and dropping it in the basket? As I sat there, what do you think began to happen within me? Uh, I better do that, right? I, what, I'm not, I, I better commit to one year. If they're going to God's going to love them more than me. A little bit of guilt, right? I started to feel some guilt. I better prove something. I better show God how much I really do love Him. And let me tell you, guilt and trying to prove something to God will not give you the confidence to endure for a whole life of mission. If we are driven by guilt and if we're driven by trying to prove something, it will not last. We will burn out, we'll get exhausted, we'll tire out. It may last a few years. Some of you who may have a little bit more grit than others could last a little bit longer. But the call of our whole lives for the sake of the whole world, if you're driven by guilt and proving something, it will not last. But if you're driven, if you're driven and fueled by the truth that our God has already died and risen and promised to come again and has said, I bless you, I approve of you, my face is shining upon you, and I am calling you to participate with me in this mission to the whole world, that will last. That'll last. Amen? Amen. So that's what gives us confidence. It's our aim. It's our confidence. Now let's look lastly at the offer of mission. What's the offer? Look at Psalm 67, verse 4. It says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Do you realize that what we get to participate in in the mission of God When we offer people Jesus Christ, His life and His death and His resurrection, what we offer them is joy. We offer the greatest news possible. The greatest joy possible. The joy of salvation. We do not go to the whole world to force our religion upon anybody. We don't go to the world to change culture or to destroy culture. We go and we offer the greatest joy possible. We are not used car salesmen (laughs) as Christians. We're not wheeling and dealing and trying to be manipulative and coercive, trying to kind of get people into the kingdom, backdooring them. We offer the greatest news of joy that's offered in salvation. You know, Penn Jillette, have you, any of you heard of Penn Jillette, of Penn and Teller, the magicians? Well, Penn, Penn Jillette uh, is, a, was a, is an agnostic, non-Christian magician. 
And he, had a, he made a video uh, of thanking someone for daring to share the gospel of salvation with him, to talk about Jesus. This is what Penn Jillette said, a non-Christian. He said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. <laughs> if you believe in a heaven and a hell and people are going there, and it's not worth telling because it might make you awkward, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them? And then he said this, If I believe there was a truck coming at you, and you did not believe there was a truck coming at you, then at a certain point, I would tackle you to save you from that truck. And what you're talking about in heaven and hell is way more important than a truck. A non-Christian. What Pendulette is saying, if you are a Christian, and you've experienced the joy of salvation in Christ, what is more important than sharing that joy with the whole world? We don't go because it's just duty. It is our obligation and it is our call, but we go with incredible joy. And in our going with that joy, our offer is to make the people we talk to the most joyful people they can be. We offer joy. You know who makes the very best missionaries? People who are filled with joy. People who are experiencing the joy of Christ. People who are genuinely thrilled with the gospel and with God. Which is why when people become Christians, they first experience grace and the love of Christ, they're often the best missionaries, aren't they? It's how the church grows. They experience the joy of Christ for the first time, and then they go and they tell everybody they can talk to about the joy that they are experiencing. I pray that Christ Central would see more people like that come to faith, share it, but even more so I pray that we would experience and return to our first love. Turn to our first love and the joy that is offered to us in Christ. All of us have this aim of the whole world with great confidence that God approves of us, offering this joy to the world. I'm not sure if you realized, reading Psalm 67, most of the verbs and most of the tense used within the psalm is future tense, isn't it? It's all about the future. Most of the psalm is a prayer of expectation the hope and the longing that, that God will be worshipped in all the nations. And the imagery used in verse 6 is harvest. Verse 6, that the earth will yield its increase. I love that imagery of the harvest. Terry asked for prayer that God would send laborers out into the harvest. That's Luke chapter 10, verse 2. The harvest. We're, we're in harvest time right now. November. We're almost in November. We're in October. Almost November. Still harvest. Uh, and I love that the, the colors are changing. Right? I love the colors are changing. I love that now we're reaping what's been planted and cared for and sowed throughout the spring and throughout the summer. It's harvest time. One day, when Christ returns, the harvest will be complete. Differing faces, every language, every nation gathered around the throne of Christ. And right now, church, we get to participate in reaping the harvest. We get to go into the world calling people to faith in Christ. And Jesus the King will build His kingdom. We are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church. And so the question is, will we participate? Christ is going to do it. 
Will we participate? Will we be those who are sent into the harvest? So how? How might you participate? How might you be involved in this mission? Let me give you three simple things. This is not rocket science. Three simple things. Pray. Would you pray? I mean, really pray. (laughs) Prayer is our most evident sign of faith. Complete dependence on God and that God works through the prayers of His people. Would you pray not just for yourself, but would you really pray for the world? Would you come on Wednesday mornings at our midweek prayer and pray for the nations? Uh, Let me share probably the greatest resource that I know about praying for the world. If you've ever seen Operation World, how many of you have ever seen this? A few of you. The best resource that I've seen on praying for the world. Use this. I bought seven of these this week to put them on the welcome table so that you could buy one. You can buy them online if you want. $20 uh, if you want it. They're like $27. We'll, you can buy it for $20. Take it if you have no money. It's a gift. If you will pray for the world. But use it with your family. Teach your kids to pray for the world, to pray for the nations. Here's another thing. This isn't this is an amazing uh, insight. Read the news. Listen to the news. Oh, have you prayed for ISIS? Have you prayed for persecuted Christians around the world that are dying for their faith? Have you prayed for Africa and the Ebola virus that is that are killing people in Africa? Read the news and, and don't just read it to be informed, but read it so God breaks your heart for the world and pray that God would work. So pray. Second thing is send. Would you send? Now, I am more and more convinced uh, that God has blessed the church in America with incredible financial resources so that we can send and sustain ministry around the world. And I'm also more and more convinced that God will judge the church in America for the way we've used our money. He will judge us for the way we've used our money. So would you give to planting churches around the world? Would you give to indigenous ministries that are happening globally? Would you give financially so that the gospel goes forth in the nations? Are we sending? As a church, we're only 10 months old, and we're starting to put hands and feet to what we're going to do globally, how we're going to participate, what part of the world we're going to partner with. Would you pray about serving with us and helping us shape that vision? about what it might look like for us as a church to send to the world. I'd love to talk to you about serving in that way. So would you pray? Would you send? And lastly, would you go? And I think going, going is a way in which we are often so quick to say that. Now, going's for the few, the proud, and the elite, right? Going, I'll pray and I'll send, but, but go? And I think it's, it's easy to pray and it's easy to throw some financial resources but to really go i think we're all called to go i think it's for the few the proud and the elite so would you go maybe go visit zimbabwe go visit the ministry that's happening there go with hope international on a trip we're probably going to try to take a trip sometime soon with the church would you come on on the trip wherever we go don't know where that's going to be yet going to happen within the next year hopefully would you pray about going and giving yourself to others around the world because aren't you glad that the father in heaven 
didn't just say He'll pray for us and send some resources to us, but He sent Himself. He sent Jesus to be with us. Would you go and would you be with people? Would you sit with people, talk to them, and listen to them? Our God is a missionary God. He sent His Son, the Son sent the Spirit, and now we are sent to be a blessing to the world. Missions is not an addition. It is the foundation of Christianity. Our God sent His only Son to bless us so that we might bless the nations, so that God is worshipped in all the world. Let's pray. God, I ask that You would break our hearts. God, break our hearts for the 43%. Break our hearts for those around the world that have no justice. Those who are dying of simple uh, lack of water and food and preventable diseases. God, it is easy for us to be a church that gathers and we do some stuff here and there and we sing songs. And, and, but God, if we are not a church on mission, if we're not a, engaging in the kingdom of God in all the world, then we're not the church because that's what the church is called to do. So God, would we love the world? And would we rest in the truth that you approve of us? That your face shines on us. And that you love us. We don't have to prove anything. But in knowing the divine approval of our God, would we then be motivated to go and to participate? Send us out, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.